0: Glad to be here from Childress, Texas. Uh, I love this congregation. I love the, uh, the leadership staff. I love your, your preaching staff, uh, ministry staff, good, good people. I've enjoyed getting to know them and work with them. And uh, I look around and I see people that I'm familiar with, because I've been here enough times. And that's, that's really, to me, that's really neat. Uh, the Childress Church says hello. Uh, they're meeting tonight, just like uh, everybody else is all over the place. Uh, the children's congregation is a good, healthy congregation, but it is not without problems. Uh, I went to go sit Sunday in my regular pew, and it was taken, and uh, and so I moved. I looked behind and in front, and they were taken and so uh, this was about two minutes before we were supposed to start so I started looking for my wife because I thought well maybe she's found a seat and she was at the back looking for a seat too and I just kind of did like this and we found a new area to sit in you know everybody kind of goes to their regular spots and so we sat in a new area Sunday and I turned around and visited with the folks behind me and said it's nice to get to sit over here in this new area with you and they said well we're here too Uh, you know our seats were gone we kind of showed up over here so we we've been very blessed with a growth and a a full auditorium, and and just a a very healthy church, healthy leadership. Uh, It is a blessing to work with a place like that, uh, much like it is that uh, Jake and Chris uh, enjoy working here. Uh, My theme tonight, my my lesson tonight, we're going to talk about in our one series, uh, we're going to talk about the word Father And that is the direction we're going to go. And we're going to be on page 1 of your Bible, if you want to turn there. I hope you brought one. Or Genesis chapter 1 is where I want you to go, and we'll get there in just a moment as we talk about who our Father is. Uh, in the text that's kind of the theme for your series, we've got Ephesians chapter 4 verses 5 and 6 that says there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all who is, who is of all, who is over all, in all, living through all. So we're going to talk a little bit about that word Father in just a moment and what that means and and, and why that's an important thing when we're discussing the word Father. Now I want to tell you a story. There was a lady walking on a beach and I love this story uh... and as she walked on the beach she kicked up a lamp a genie lamp and she thought well that just kinda looks like a genie lamp so she rubbed for a second sure enough out pops a genie and the genie said just like all genies every story you've ever heard said hey Lucky you, you have released me from the lamp. You have three wishes. And she's just so excited. Life's been a little tough for her for a while. Her her boyfriend had dumped her, and, and she was just trying to figure out, what am I going to do? And and now she's got three wishes. She's going to turn things around. And so she says, all right, wish number one. He said, now, hold on just a second. Before you make your wish, I need to tell you something. Whatever you wish for, your ex-boyfriend is going to get double whatever it is you asked for. And she thought, man, I don't like it at all. But she said, i got to take advantage of my wishes. So she said, I, I want a I big mansion, a big 5,000 square foot. You know, she just named it off, and, and, and uh, the genie said, poof, you got it. Here's the address. Enjoy. But I want to remind you that your ex-boyfriend just got a 10,000 square foot mansion. Oh, that just made her so mad. She didn't like that one drop. She thought about it for a little while because she thought, "I got a second wish. Where am I going to go with this?" And she said, "Well, I've got to ask for some money. Who doesn't want some money?" And she says, "I'd like a million dollars." And the genie goes, "Okay, poof! I got a million dollars. Here's your, here's the bank account number where you can get this." She, he said, "I got to remind you, uh, your ex-boyfriend just got two million dollars," and, and all that just frustrated her. And and he said, "All right, you got one more wish. What are you going to do with it?" And she thought, and she thought, and she thought. And she said, "Okay." My ex-boyfriend's going to get double whatever I get. And he said, that is exactly right. She said, all right, wish number three, I want you to scare me half to death. That's a woman who can think on her feet, right? Now, when we're talking wishes, one of the greatest things, I don't know what you'd wish for if a genie came along and gave you some wishes, but one of the greatest things that has ever happened to you is that you received a Bible God's Word, we have received God's Word that tells us all about life, how to live, who the Father is, who the Son is. Uh, it, it explains how we live. And when you, when you open it to, to the very first page and you look at trying to figure out, all right, who is this God, and who is this that I want to, to, to learn? Who is the Father that is, is talked about in the Bible? You learn some things about God right off the bat. So let's, let's look at these for just a second, all right? Genesis 1. If you'd never read the Bible before, and you're going, I want to learn something from this Bible, you start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and the Bible says, "...in the beginning God." Four words. In the beginning, God. Four words. You have just found out your first thing about the Father. He was in the beginning, meaning, He is eternal. And that's a good word, good way to put that. He is eternal. Four words into this book, and you find out your Father is an eternal Father. He always has been. He is today. And guess what happens when you get up tomorrow? Your Father is there. He is eternal. Now, I don't know about you, I like knowing that I have an eternal Father. I love knowing that I hey, the future, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who's going to be there and that's gonna be the one the father and I like that in the beginning God created now now notice that next word there in the beginning God the very next word in the beginning God created there's your next fact that you learn about God you find out that God creates things Now I want to explain what that word create means for a second because a lot of people use the word creates out of context. Um, I have a friend that's an artist and he... Man, he can paint some really, really neat stuff. And when I'm when I talk about neat stuff, he, he doesn't do pictures. He does these huge mural uh, murals where he'll do it on a big side of a building. And you just when he starts, it's like I have no clue what this thing is, you know. And he'll go, "You don't see the ocean?" I go, "I don't see anything," you know. And and by the time he's done, it's like, wow. And and I've heard people say he creates the most amazing. Pictures. Let me tell you something. My friend Raphael can paint some incredible things, but he doesn't create anything. I have a friend that uh, designs and builds custom furniture and does incredible things in doing that. And people will go, "Boy, have you seen his stuff?" He creates. A... He didn't create anything. He took something someone else had created, God. He took wood from a tree and He took glue and He took nails and He took whatever it is that He needed and He made, you know, saws and this sort of thing. To create means that you make something out of nothing. That's impressive. In the beginning, God, in the beginning, the Father created. He spoke into existence things. I love that. How awesome would that be? How great would it be on a Sunday to sit in church and go, instead of wondering, what are we going to have for lunch? i got to feed everybody today. You could just go, poof, roast. You know. And there, when you get home, is roast. I mean, that would just not be the best, would it not? But we can't do, we can't create like God creates. What that tells us about the Father is not just that He is eternal, but He is powerful. He can do something nobody else can. You have a Father that has power. If he can create the world in six days, you think he can help get you through college? You think he can... got enough power to help you get through uh, whatever crisis you're having in a relationship? If he can speak into existence, animals, man, you think he's strong enough to help you with some problems you're having at work? I would say, yeah, yeah. You have a Father who is powerful. He is eternal. That same, that same Father that's eternal today and powerful today also is going to be there tomorrow. You know, you skip down if you've got your Bible open and if you're looking, you skip down to verse and I have to throw on glasses. You, turn, you get 50-year-old. You turn 50 and, and your favorite Bible translation becomes large print, all right? You get about 53, and large print doesn't cut it anymore, all right? And so you've got to put these on. So you look down in verse 3, verse 4, verse 4. And God saw that the light was, what's the word there? Good. You learned something new about the Father right there. You know He's eternal. You know He's powerful. If you've never read the Bible in your entire life, And you open it up to page 1 and you start reading. You found out there is a Father who is eternal and He's powerful. And now you've learned that He's good. Now let me explain what it means by the fact that He is good. Everything God creates, He says it is good. He He created the light, it's good. The sky, it's good. The land, it's good. Animals, it's good. I mean, everything He does is good. There is a verse in the New Testament that Jesus says, a good tree produces good fruit. You learn something about your father. Your father is a good father. And from here on out, through the rest of the Bible, you learn something about his character. He has to be interpreted from this day forward as a good father. He's not just a father. He's an eternal father, a powerful father and a good Are there bad things that happen? All the time? Is this world corrupt? Yes, it is. But what do you know about God? God is a good God. That never changes. Whatever happens in your life, whatever happens in my life, the fact that God is a good God will never change. We learn that from Genesis chapter 1. Verse 4. Let's keep going. All right? You skip down and you get down to about verse uh, 11. Down to verse 11. And it says, Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land, bearing seed in it. Notice this last part. This is what I want you to catch. According to its various kind. Meaning, if you plant cotton seeds, you're going to get cotton. If your cat gets pregnant, it's going to have kittens according to its various kind. We often call it the laws of nature. Sun's going to come up, I have no clue. If I was at home and where I preach all the time, I could tell you, the sun's going to come up in the east and go down in the west, but I have no, no clue what direction we're facing. But I know it'll come up in the morning in the east, and it's going to go down in the west. Why? Why do I know that? Because God set that in motion. Because God is faithful in what He says is going to happen. And you can know from this day forward that those things that God has set in motion, that He is a faithful God, and those things will take place. You learn something about your father. you got a faithful father. Let me give you two more really, really quick, and then we're going to move on because I want to get to the other stuff. He is righteous. Genesis 3, we'll just kind of scoot over and I'll tell you the story. You know the story. Adam and Eve, they ate from a tree God told them not to eat from. He said, And if you eat from it, you're going to die. And when He came and talked to them, He said, hey... There's division in our relationship. You're going to have to move outside of the garden. Basically, what happened was exactly what God said took place. They died physically because now they could no longer eat from the tree of life that kept them alive. They died spiritually. You say, what does that have to do with being righteous? God's a righteous God. Meaning God couldn't come along and go, well, I know what I told you, and maybe I just didn't make myself very clear. Because God is, because your Father is righteous and just, what He says has to take place. You've got to know that about God. That's important, and that will tie in toward the end. The last thing I want you to catch is God is a God of love. Your Father is a loving Father. Before Adam and Eve leave the garden, we're just learning about God from the first three chapters right here. Before they leave the garden, do you remember they had had on some fig leaves because they had covered up and shame had entered the garden and entered the world? And before they left the garden, remember what God did? He clothed them with what? Do you remember? Animal skins. That's exactly right. Where did He get those? Animal skin store? We often talk about the first innocent blood being shed was that of Abel when Cain murdered his brother. But we forget that previous to that, there were some innocent animals that God shed the blood of in order to cover two guilty people that he loved. There is love that just oozes with that. That is an actual picture of the cross, is what that is. It's the same picture that takes place with the crucifixion. God sheds innocent blood there to cover some guilty people, me and you. That's love. You have an amazing Father. Let me throw you the second part out real quick. Check my time. Good to go. Now, real quick, we're not going to spend much time on this, but here's the thing that's interesting. In Genesis 1.26, God says, the Father says, let us make man in our image. He's not talking about let's make man have two arms and two legs and hands and ten fingers and whatever it is. Our image means in our likeness. You say, well, what what is God's likeness? Well, we just learned God's likeness, didn't we? When He created man and when He created you, He created you to be like Him. Meaning, you are eternal and you are powerful and you are good and you were created to be faithful and righteous and loving. You go, eternal? Yes. You have a soul that will live forever. Powerful? You you have domination over the entire kingdom of the world that God set up there's no animal that has more power than you 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 have an amazing amount of power God created you to be good you go well I'm not always good yeah we we fail but God created you to be that way you work hard to be that way faithful does God want you to be faithful he's faithful He created you to be faithful just like He is. When you say you're going to be there, He he expects you to be faithful. When you make a vow until death do us part, he, He expects you to keep that. When you write a check and you sign your name at the bottom that says, there is enough money in the bank to cover this check, He expects you to be faithful and that to be so. When you sign your name at the bottom of a page going, I'm going to pay this loan off, God expects you to be faithful. Righteous? Yes, through Jesus. Loving? You are more like the Savior and you are more like the Father when you are loving than any other time. And just so you understand, love is an action. I just want you to understand that. God's love is not a feeling love. It's not a, I love God. It's an action love. mean, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, He... Gave. That's an action. God's love is a giving love. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. God's love is a giving love. When you love others through action, you are amazing like your, like your father. So let's, let's catch this third little point. This is where we'll spend the last little bit of our time. Because... Because of the Father, and because I am created to be like Him, and because the Bible teaches me about who the Father is, He teaches me how to live. And it kind of ties into where we were going. He expects us to treat other people well. What if they don't deserve it? Let me ask you something. Does God treat you better than you deserve? Just do like that, all right? Does God treat you better than you deserve? Absolutely. Aren't you glad God treats you better than you deserve? You just keep nodding like that. And if God treats you better than you deserve, He doesn't ask, He demands that you also extend that same grace to other people. Meaning you treat others better than they deserve. Well, why should I treat others better than they deserve? Because that's how God treats you every day. God said, if I can treat you good, you can treat other people good. You can can be kind to other people. And you can share with other people. And you can love with action other people. Even people that cut you off in traffic. Even somebody that hurts you. You can forgive. Because God says, hey... If you want me to forgive you, you've got to extend that same forgiveness to somebody else. I'm glad I have a father that teaches me how to treat others and teaches me how to live. Because if it wasn't without that book that I'm thankful for, I didn't even make a wish to get it. If it wasn't for that book to teach me about the father, I might not know how to treat other people. God tells me that I'm supposed to love other people. Other people that don't look like me, vote like me, pray like me, worship like me, believe like me. Jesus summed it up this way. Treat others the way you want to be treated. You know what else I learned about the Father teaching me how to live? I learned how to How to live without fear amazed at the we get to do my wife and i get to do a lot of traveling and 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 it's when we travel outside of the united states of course we're always reminded of how blessed we are one of the things when i talk to people who have never been to the united states and i say what do you think of the united states they always have an opinion but one of the things that i hear about people ...from other countries when they talk about Americans that they've met or they know. They always say, Americans are afraid of everything. You know how many times God says, do not fear? Did you know out of all the commands that He gives you in the Bible... ...all the times He makes commands in the Bible, do not fear is said more than any other command... And yet we are people who are fearful. We can't go to sleep at night because we're worried about things that we don't even have control over. Our biggest issues in America are, are things that, you know, we, we've got the, the biggest, three biggest drugs that are prescribed by doctors are for worry and anxiety. Because we've become people who, who go, yeah, I've got a father, and he's powerful, and he's eternal, and he can do all these amazing things, but I just don't trust him. But we don't want to say that. Let, let me give you a couple of examples. You'll like this. This is good stuff, all right? Now, here we go. Immigrants, illegal immigrants. It's really a big thing on the news right now, all right? New study out, your chances of being killed by a legal immigrant terrorist is 1 in 138 million. I like my odds, people. Make sense? I have a 1 in 46 million chance of dying by a refugee terrorist. Yet, that's on the news a lot. There was a shark attack out on the... Pacific Coast here recently, and I had somebody that said, I ain't ever getting in the water. This is Texas folks. I ain't never seen the water, right? But hey, I'm not getting in that water. You got a one in eight million chance of getting eaten by a shark, and yet we won't get in the water. And I think it's funny, because you go out to California, and all them folks playing in the water, and we're going, I we ain't getting in that water. They're going, I would never live in Texas. They have tornadoes. You, you have a 1 in 60,000 chance of dying in a tornado. You, you got a 1 in a 174,000 chance of, of getting struck by lightning. You know how many times people say, Hey, Trey, I'm flying this week. I'm really, flying makes me nervous. Would you pray about me flying? You got a 1 in 10,000 chance is all. I like the odds of dying on a plane. You go, well, those have dropped a whole lot from the top of the list. One in 10,000. And they're going, Trey, pray about me flying. Look at the next one down there. Car wrecks, one in 565. Guess where you're going to die? It's not going to be on the plane. It's on the way to the airport. You should be saying, Trey, pray for me on the way to the airport. i got a better chance of dying there than in the air. See, we don't understand risk. We don't. We're scared to death of terrorists. We're scared to death of shark attacks and tornadoes and lightning and airplanes and car wrecks. And one in seven people will die from heart disease. And you know what we do? I am scared to death of all them things. But I pull through the drive up at McDonald's and go, hey, let's supersize them fries, okay? That's what's going to kill you. Now, I'm not trying to tell you quit eating fries. I'm just saying if you're going to be scared of something, be scared of the right stuff. One of the best things you can do if you're worried and you're fretting and you're scared, turn off the news for a while, all right? You're buying into what they're selling, which is fear. Quit reading the paper if you're all stressed out over stuff. Here's God going, I can handle it. And you're going, but Lord, did you see the latest news story? God says do not fear, but we don't do a very good job of it. Let me give you another one. Number three, I like this. I want to know, I want my father to tell me how to live. (laughs) He teaches me to number my days. I really like this. Check my time. Oh, we're getting close. He teaches me to number my days. Psalm 90, verse 12, David says, Teach us to know. You know what that means? Lord, David's praying. Lord, help me to realize I'm not going to live forever. He said, You just talked about not being afraid, and now you're talking about dying. It's okay. We're all going to die. It's all going to happen. Have you talked about your funeral? You go, why would I want to do that? Because it gives you an understanding that you're, you're not going to live forever. When I, I spent time with my mom before she passed, and all the kids came in knowing she was sick and stuff, and she wanted to talk about funerals, and she wanted to talk about death, and she wanted, and I just let her talk. We had some of the best discussions, and the other siblings were like, why Why is she wanted to talk about death? Because she knows. We think if we don't talk about it, it won't happen. Did you know most people don't carry life insurance? A lot of people, they don't carry life insurance. I don't understand why that is, but I really do. It's because if I have to fill out something saying, hey, I want some life insurance, there's a chance I might die. We don't want to talk about that. And you know what else? We got all these people in the world that are needing kidneys and they're needing organs and they're needing this and we're needing that and we're in no way I'm signing that donor card because that means at some point I'm going to die. Yes, you are. And the Father says, it's okay. You'll worry about it now, but you're going to get to heaven and you're going to go, why did I not get here quicker? This is great. This is amazing. This is wonderful. We have got to learn to number our days. Wish I had more time to talk about that. Let's talk about this last point and then we will wind down. One more, there it is. Because of the Father, I need to realize how blessed I am. We still in Children's, Texas, y'all, y'all may have parades here. I don't know how big towns still have parades. Children's, Texas, every year, yeah, old settlers, big parade. My kids learned from a young age if you're gonna go to the parade and if you want some candy, you wanna be up at the front where all of them are starting, because everybody's excited to throw candy away. Does that make sense? Everybody's ready, man, I can't wait to throw this candy. If you're like at the end, you'd be lucky if you get the peppermints and the butterscotches that nobody wants. But boy, you get up at the front. I I had a friend call me one time. He works for EMS, he's a paramedic, and he said, hey, I need some help. I said, what you got? He said, I've gotta go to a little town about 15 miles down the road and, and be in the parade to represent our EMS service over there. Would you go with me to throw some candy out? And I said, Yeah, that sounds like fun. So he swung by and picked me up. Got in the got in the ambulance with him, and he had. I don't know where they got them or where they ordered them, but they were four of the biggest bags of candy I've ever seen in my life. And I thought, man, this is going to be fun. We are going to have a blast throwing candy out to these kids. We get over to this little town. We sit there for a long time. There's the police cars and the fire trucks and the ambulance, and I'm over on the passenger side, and there's a few other folks. This is a little bitty podunk town. Childress has got 6,000. This is a place with maybe 200, all right? And, and so we get ready to roll, and we're finally taking off, and the sheriff fires up the police car and I thought man here we go let's throw some candy let's have some fun we rounded the corner for the parade and standing out on the corner was one kid I looked at my friend Scotty and I said this may be the lamest parade I have ever seen in my life I said what are you gonna do with all this candy and he said, I don't know, but my boss said, don't you come back with any candy. I said, there's only one kid out here. And Scotty said, let's give him the candy. I said, are you serious? He said, oh, yeah. So we rolled down. You know, my side is the one that all the stuff. He's driving. I'm throwing candy. So, so we're driving down the road, and the little kid's out there. He's got his little Walmart sat, and he's kind of waving as everybody goes by. And, and we kind of pull over a little closer to where he's at, and I start taking candy, and I just start dumping. I mean, just loads of candy out this window. And I mean, this kid's eyes are this big around. It is the greatest day of his life. And we just sat there for about... Three to four minutes while I am trying to empty this ambulance full of candy. And I mean, I, I, I picture in my head, he's, he's from here down is candy, all right? He's got candy all around him. His little sack is all overflown. And I mean, he's just standing there going, this is the, he is just like, this is the greatest day. We, we dumped every drop of candy on him. I mean, his little bag, no way it's holding that stuff. Not even close. That kid was so excited. He knew, he knew it was a good day. Now, the interesting thing in this story was we made another turn to the right and found out all the people were on that street. (laughs) We had no candy. We could not go back and say, Give us that candy back. (laughs) We threw rubber gloves and whatever we could find, you know, here, have some bandages, you know, it was kind of fun. Here's some normal saline IV starter, you know, enjoy. <laughs> Somewhere out there, there's about a 30 in my head I'm trying to figure how long it's been. There's a 20-something year-old man missing a lot of teeth, all right? And it still talks about the greatest day of his childhood when he just got all this candy in his life. Now here's what I want you to catch, and here's what you need to understand. You're like the kid, the first kid at the parade. When it comes to God, you show up to God wanting this. You you bring your little Walmart sack and you're thinking, all right, Lord, give me a few blessings right here. You're my father, and and you know if you're a father, if you're a mother, you know how you want to bless your kids. You want to bless your kids, and we bring this little Walmart sack and we go, okay, Father, give us what you got, and we're we're hoping to get some in the bottom of our sack. And, and He dumps, with both hands, blessings out into our life. Our, our sack can't contain it. We, we, we don't stop often enough to count our blessings. Every time you turn around, He's dumping more blessings into your life. Because He's the Father and because you're precious to him and because he loves you. I am thankful that we have a text that teaches us. We have not just a God, but a father who loves us and blesses us and teaches us how to live and how to treat others. And we can learn about his character, and who he is and what he expects us to be. We are blessed, blessed people. And I want you to notice this week, every time you turn around, more blessings he's gonna be dumping in your sack. You can't hold it. You like standing under a waterfall with a little tea pitcher, you can't hold all of it in there. He's just gonna keep dumping blessings into your life because he is the Father. And you are his child. If, if you're not, for some reason you sit there and go, Man, that sounds really good, but I'm, I'm really not one of his kids. You, you are missing out on everything. You need to be. If there's something that's keeping you from, from that relationship with God, you figure it out and you fix it. You talk to... One of your leaders here, you talk to Jake here, you talk to Chris here, you talk to somebody, but don't you go another day without getting that relationship the way it should be with the Father. We're going to sing a song, and if you're here and we can pray for you tonight, uh, if you have a prayer request we can pray about, if you're ready to become a Christian, to fix that, get that relationship, give your life to Christ, confess to Him as Lord and be baptized, great night to do it. But leave here tonight knowing you are blessed to have an incredible Father. Would you stand and let's sing this invitation song together.